afternoon, we're going to spend a few minutes. We're going to be talking about Pontius Pilate. When you think about the crucifixion of Christ and the story behind it, there's a bunch of characters that might come to mind. And when you start to think about them, nearly all of them are either for Christ or against Christ. Uh, there's Judas. We know who decided he was going to sell out Christ for money. And this is found in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 through 16. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he saw opportunity to betray him. And at this point, it's pretty obvious that, you know, Judas was totally against Christ. Uh, he was willing to sell him to the chief priest for money. But then at the end of the day, uh, Judas realized what he has done. And we find that in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3 through 5, Matthew 27, 3 through 5, it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Judas goes from someone who was against Christ and was willing to sell Christ out for 30 pieces of silver to someone who deeply regretted his decision to the point of actually ending his life. And on the other side of the coin, we see Peter. Uh, Peter was willing to do whatever it took to save Christ. If you turn over to John chapter 18, John chapter 18, this is uh, during the betrayal and the rest in the garden. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, but over the garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, horses, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he heard to them, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled when he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's ear and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father had given to me? Peter was strong. Peter was ready for battle. They were surrounded by a detachment of soldiers. The apostles were ridiculously outmanned. They were ridiculously outgunned. They had two swords. And Peter had decided that I'm going to take the sword. And when it came to defend Peter, when it came to defend Christ, Peter was not only willing to swing the sword, but he was willing to swing at the nearest enemy. But of course, and possibly unfortunately, after that we see a totally different side of Peter. And this is in Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 through, 69 through 74. Matthew 26, 69 through 74, it says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came and saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before him all, saying, I did not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out into the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, 
His fellow also was with Jesus in Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. When it came to make a decision about Christ, at this point in his life, Peter decided that he was going to deny him. So Peter goes from someone who was willing to die for Christ to someone who was willing to totally deny Christ. And we see the same type of uh, decisions made by the other disciples. If you go back to Mark chapter 14, it talks about how um, all those others were there also and they decided to run away. And all the dis disciples who were in the garden with Christ had to make a decision at that point. Uh, they were either going to be arrested with Christ or they were going to fight, or they were going to run away. And every single one of them decided to run away. It's kind of interesting if you look at Mark 14, verses 43 to 50. After that, it talks about a guy who was running in just a loincloth, and he took it off, and he ran away naked. So they all ran away in one way or the other. And so let's stop for a half a second. We don't live in a world where people are going to attack us. At least I don't. Um, we don't normally get in situations where soldiers are, are coming to find us and figure out who we are and arrest us. Uh, so we don't normally, in this country, have a fight or flight scenario when it comes to Christianity. There's not a lot of situations in which you have to decide whether you're going to fight or flight. So every day we have to make decisions on how we're going to fight the good fight. Every single day. And I look back at Peter, and I think of the things he did, and I said, no, I wouldn't be like Peter in the garden, definitely. And I look back at the apostles who decided to forsake God and, and run. I said, no, I wouldn't have done that. That's not me. And I think back to Judas, and I don't think any of us would say we would have been like Judas in the garden because, you know, that's just not who we are. But Pilate, Pilate, on the other hand, Pilate is not like any of those people. He's not like Judas. Judas made the decision to betray Christ for money, greed, material prosperity. And he's not like Peter. You know, Peter uh, first was willing to fight for Christ, but then he was willing to betray Christ, you know, not to be embarrassed. And he's not like all the other disciples who decided to show their decision about what to do with Christ by running away. But I think Pilate, Pilate's more like us. Or maybe Pilate's more like me than any other character in this particular story. And for the next few minutes, we're going to look at the things that Pilate tried to do in order to not only avoid making a decision, but to justify the decision that he actually made. Pilate had a decision to make. And like us, he went through a lot of ways trying to avoid making that decision, to rationalize that decision. And after he made that decision, he even made look for ways to attempt to justify the decision to others. And I think too often that's what we do in our lives. Most of the time, we, like Pilate, we just want to get out of the situation. We want to avoid being embarrassed, don't upset anyone, and everything's going to be perfect. Ride the fence, don't make waves, be neutral. Maybe even play both sides of the fence sometimes. He wasn't for Jesus, and he wasn't against Jesus. Pilate was the man in the middle, and what he wanted was to do whatever it took to save his hide. 
And so this afternoon, I want to look at some of the things that Pilate tried to do to make sure that we ourselves aren't doing the exact same thing because if we don't pay attention, we'll find ourselves doing the same thing that Pilate did. First of all, I think Pilate thought that if you questioned something, that was good enough. All you had to do was question it and then do what you want to do in the end. Because when you turn over to John chapter 18, John chapter 18, starting in verse 33, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus entered him. Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you concerning this? Tell you concerning me. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When I said to this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Pilate questioned Jesus. And Pilate came to a very, very good conclusion. Because in verse 38 he said, What is truth? And after he thought about that, he went out to the Jews and he's like, You know what? I find no fault in this man. But at the end of the day, Pilate still had him crucified. And how often do we question something in our lives and come to the perfect conclusion, the right conclusion, and then sin anyway? I know I shouldn't do this because it's wrong. But at the end of the day, we find ourselves doing it anyway. The answer to our questions, because a lot of times we want to do mental gymnastics, and we want to justify our decisions. And we want to think, should I do this or should I do not? Just coming to a conclusion that something is wrong means absolutely nothing if we then follow it up by sinning. Pilate came to the conclusion, this man has done nothing wrong. But at the end of the day, how did he follow that up? He followed it up by having Jesus crucified. We need to be aware that coming to the right decision means nothing if we don't do the actions that right decision demands. Pilate did not do the action that his right decision demanded. His right decision demanded, this guy has not sinned, let him go. And yet he decided to do what he wanted to. And secondly, I think Pilate thought that farming out his decision was the right thing, the smart thing to do. If you turn back to Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 15, it says, Now, the feast, now at the feast the governor was accustomed to release into the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, there was a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who was called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in the dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? 
But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. I sort of like this passage. Because if you look at it, Paulus starts out with a really good question. He starts out with a, a, an obvious choice. Here is a criminal, a bad guy. He's in jail for insurrection and killing people. Here's this other guy. Which of these do you want me to release? And the obvious choice would have been Jesus. But the people said, no. Here's a guy that everyone knows is bad, and here's a good guy. They have to shoot Barabbas. And yet they did not. And I'm not sure, but it seems to me when you read the passage that uh, he asked the chief priests and elders, many asked the people, but that didn't work because in verse 20, it says, the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And Pilate even tries again in verse 23. He says, why, what evil has he done? But in the end, when there is a choice to be made, Pilate decides to allow someone else to make it and ignore what is right. When there is a biblical decision to be made, we need to turn to biblical authority. We all have good moral friends out there, but when we when they don't have the Bible as their ultimate goal, we can't rely on them to be our conscience. Verse 20 said the chief priests and others persuaded the crowd. So what that says to me, that there was probably some people standing there going, yeah, this Christ guy should be released. But after listening to the chief priests and the scribes and elders, what did they say in verse 23? Which is interesting because in verse 23 it says, they cried out all the more. So they made the decision. They had changed their mind. They had decided that what was right did not matter. What we need to make sure is we don't be like Pilate, who wanted someone else to make his moral decisions for him, and don't be like the crowd, who in my opinion knew the right thing, but decided to do and follow a man instead of following morality. Next, even though the world was screaming, do wrong, Howard decided to ignore God's little whisper. If you jump back into the story, if you look at verse 19 of this chapter. It says, verse 19 says, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. I thought about that verse, and that's a really weird verse to be put in there, because we don't know her name. She's Pilate's wife. She's only mentioned in the entire Bible in this one verse. She makes absolutely positively no difference to the story. So I asked myself, Pilate didn't look, listen to her advice, so it's not like you know she was a turning point. So why, why is she even mentioned in the story? And it occurred to me, I think she's there for me. I think she's there for all of us. I mean, think about it. Pilate is in a situation where he's tempted to do something wrong. And he's talking to the people, and they're trying to tell him, do what's wrong, do what's wrong. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a wee little voice from his wife comes and says, don't do it. How many times have we heard a voice like that? How many times have we been in the situation where we're tempted and God has spoken to us while we're being tempted, and he's told us to walk away. And how many times have we, like Pilate did at this particular time, looked at it, listened to it, thought about it, and then we talked it away? When we're in a situation when we're tempted to do wrong, 
I think we need to look for power's life. We need to look for that one thing that will bring us back to God. We need to look for that one voice that will have us focus on doing the right thing. The small things that speak volumes if we just listen to it. Pilate had an opportunity through all the situations. God spoke to him and said, this is what you need to do. But Pilate decided, I don't want to listen to that. We have to make sure that we not only listen for God's advice, but that we seek God's advice at all times. And also, I think it's interesting that uh, Pilate, in my opinion, knew what he should have done, but he just didn't do it. By my count, there's probably more, I count five times when Pilate actually tried to avoid having Christ crucified. If you turn over to John chapter 20, John chapter 18, John chapter 18 and verse 28 and 31, it says, Then they bled Jesus from Caiaphas' praetorium, and it was very early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. How then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, saying, If he were not an evildoer, we will not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put someone to death. At this point, Pilate's like, You know what? You judge him yourself. And then you go down in John chapter 18, verse 39 through 40, later on in the same story, he said, um, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you as Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber. So at this point, Pilate is saying, hey, how about I give you somebody else? Let's not crucify this one guy. Let's crucify this other guy. And then if you turn over to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 4. Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. And then you jump down to Luke 23, verse 5 through 7. Once again, it says, But they were more fierce, saying he stirred up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate's pretty much saying, You know what? You deal with them. Somebody else. I don't want to deal with this. So it seems to me Pilate is trying his best to avoid making decisions because I'm not sure, in my opinion, that Pilate actually wanted Christ to be crucified. But then you get to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. If you read verses 1 through 5. It says, so then Pilate took Jesus into Gerdesim. And the soldiers twisted the crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hell, king of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing out him to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. This is the one that bothers me the most, because I think this is the one that I try to do more than all the others. Pilate knew that Jesus had done no wrong. He had told the people that he found no fault in Jesus, but he made a decision that although he didn't want to kill Jesus, 
if he hurried just a little bit, maybe the people would be satisfied. Instead of killing me, having him crucified, maybe I'll just scourge him. And I'll say, here's the man. Come on. Seriously, this is who you want me to crucify. Pilate knew not only that Jesus was innocent, but the Bible tells us he knew why the Jesus, why the Jewish leaders even wanted him to be killed. And I think he tried to get them to change their mind. He tried to send someone else to, to them by having Barabbas. Um, but in order to placate the people, he decided to do what he knew was wrong. Scourging, beating, mocking. Maybe that will change the people's minds. Shall we sin for the grace we have found? And we think that's horrible. But I think that's what a lot of us, that's what a lot of times the things that I do. I'm not going to outright lie, but I might shake the truth. I'm not going to blaspheme, but I'll some, come so close that you won't be able to tell the difference. I'll be at services, but it's okay if I don't really pay a lot of attention. You see, we, like Pilate, we don't want to do anything to crucify Christ. I think sometimes we don't really mind scourging him just a little bit. Pilate knew what needed to be done. He tried to do everything possible, including having an innocent man scourged, to avoid doing what he knew to be right. And after avoiding making the decision to do good, Pilate allowed fear and self-centeredness to make the decision to do what he knew to be wrong. Turn back over to John 19, chapter 19, starting in verse 6. John 19, starting in verse 6, it says, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him to crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You can have no power at all against me, unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever speaks against, speaks, whoever makes himself a king, speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, the Bassa. Now with the preparation there of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The king, the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to be crucified, so they took Jesus and led him away. It amazes me what happens at this particular time. Pilate is, in my opinion, trying his best to keep Jesus from being crucified. I mean, he's already scourged him in the previous verses. And after, after he had beat him, after he had had him beat by his soldiers, he is still saying, this guy's done nothing wrong. And you would think that he would stick to his guns. I beat the guy. He's done nothing wrong. Let him go. But after that, in verse 8, it says, therefore, when Paul had heard that saying, he was the more afraid. So Paul knew what was right. 
they went back to the chief priest and pretty much said, dude, seriously, you've done nothing wrong. And they're like, ah. And he got scared. And he went back, and after that, he came back to Jesus again. And here's what's, what's kind of scary. I think that I too often do exactly what Pilate did. Have you ever looked up something in the Bible and knew it was true? But as soon as someone says something, you run back to try to find a way out. A loophole. What is Pilate saying in verse 10? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Pilate knew that he, Pilate, had the power to let Christ go. He had the power to have Christ crucified, but Pilate wanted a way out from that decision. And I think we do that at the same time. We do the same thing. Have you ever gone to the scripture with thought? Come on. Give me something to work with. Just a little loophole. Because I really want to do this. I know it's wrong, but I think there's something in the Bible that tells me how to do it. Some kind of loophole. Something I can use to make the people happy. And what makes this such a sad story is at this point, I think that Pilate knows what he has to do. He's gone back to Jesus to find a way out. He realized that Jesus is right, and now he decides he's going to find the right way to do the right thing. But, Pilate, in my opinion, is spineless. Because when you get to verse 12, he says, From then on, Pilate thought to release him. He tried, again, to free Jesus. But, Pilate lives in a society just like we do. When the world wants us to do something wrong, they don't just come at us one time of reason and then let go if we say we shouldn't do it. When the world wants you to do something wrong, they're going to send a battalion of worldly reasons as to why you should do that wrong thing. Pilate went back, and what did the leader say at the end of verse 12? If you let this man go, you are not a friend of Jesus. Now, I've never heard anyone say to me, I'm not a friend of Caesar, but I felt it. If you don't do what I expect you to do, you're not a true friend. If you tell me that I'm wrong, you're not my friend. If you attempt to convict me of sin, you don't care about a relationship. No, the powerful, hard words to ignore. And in the end, Pilate decides to give in. Verse 16 is such a sad verse because he says, then he delivered him to them to be crucified. He knew what was right. Pilate knew what was right. He had been fighting all day to do what is right. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew it. But he still had him crucified. And I get so upset when I read about this. But I get upset in a hypocritical way. Because sometimes I know what's right. I know what I shouldn't do. But I still sin. And we, like it says in Hebrews 6, 6, hand over Christ to be crucified once again for our sins. Just like Pilate handed over Christ to the Jews, when we sin, we are once again Handing over Christ. And we know, but we do it. And after counseling to have Christ crucified, Pilate tried to escape responsibility for the blood of Christ by washing his hands of the whole thing. You turn over to chapter of to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, Pilate says, when he saw that he could not prevail at all, 
but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before he bolted them, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. I just think it's interesting. If you're a Jewish person and you saw Pilate saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this, and washing his hands, if you knew the law, that was a slap to your face because that's pretty much what you know, I was supposed to do. I just think it's interesting that they ignore that. But when I think about Pilate, when I think about why he did this, I think I think there might be a few things with Pilate that might have been going on in Pilate's mind at this time. A few thoughts. First of all, he may have thought, I didn't do this. Was me? Was a Jew? I mean, this guy's innocent. He's going to die. It's not my fault. Or maybe he's thinking it wasn't me. It was them. And even if I did this, even if I was part of this, they're bigger sinners because I'm. I am because they're actually doing it. So I'm good. I'm totally innocent. And now, I don't think that we do this. But here's what we do sometimes. Or at least here's what I do sometimes. To convince myself that once I've done something wrong, that it's okay. If I say I'm not sinning, then obviously I'm not sinning. Right? The Bible says it's wrong, but that doesn't really apply to me. Because you can always find some loophole. Like, I did this, I know it's wrong, but... Here's my reason for doing it, so it's okay. And even if it's wrong, it's not that wrong. You know? It might be wrong, but I might say, but come on, it's not that wrong. Now, if I do something wrong and no one finds out about it, and this was my favorite one, if I do something wrong and nobody finds out about it, it's not really wrong. It's only a sin if everybody sees it. And sometimes, after I've done something that I should not have done, I think to myself, I've done so many good things. God's going to forgive me this one because that's my thorn in the flesh. Polly wanted to excuse what he had done by simply saying, I'm just going to wash my hands of the whole thing. We don't wash our hands of the whole thing, but sometimes we try to find reasons to excuse what we've done. Pilate was wrong, but he wanted to make excuses. We have to make sure that we don't do that same thing when we've done something wrong. That we make excuses and hope that it will go away. And finally, Pilate did wrong, but afterwards I think he tried to salve his conscience so he'll feel better. If you look in John chapter 19, John 19, starting in verse 19, now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, and many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. I don't know why Pilate did this. Maybe it was a slap in the face of the people who wanted him to be Christ to be crucified. Maybe it was make a way to make Pilate himself feel better. I don't know. But it was, here's what's interesting. Was it true? Was he the king of the Jews? Was it a good thing to have written? Yes. But in the end, although it was truth, and although it was a good thing to acknowledge, it was mockery. I mean, what was going on in Pilate's brain? I've done wrong. I know I've done wrong. But now I'm going to pretend that I am a strong, moral person with great moral fiber. Is it true that he tried to save Jesus? Obviously. But in the end, at the end of the day, 
How was the man that decided to give him permission to crucify an innocent person? And after he had acquiesced as a man, he had the gall to try to look innocent. And not just look innocent, but to whirl with an outrage. I, I can imagine the conversation. Pilate, why did you write this? Don't say it was the king of the Jews. He said it was the king of the Jews. And I was like, no, no, no. I have written. I have written. I am the law. I have the authority. You ever been caught doing something wrong and immediately you try to take the high road for it? I have. Often. I think that's exactly what Pilate did. He wanted to salve his conscience after his actions and take the moral high road. I can look at him now and, and, I, and we can see we know it's mockery. Because Pilate had the ability to save Christ. He had the ability to let him go free, but he decided to kill him. And after he killed him, he's like, and he's all proud of that. So when I do the same thing, when I sin and then take the moral high road and pull apology, sometimes I feel justified. You see, good moral deeds and actions after sinning does not wash away the part. But that's the life I live. When I do something wrong, I want to do as many good things as possible to make that stuff go away. But that's not what happened. And here's the crazy thing about Pilate. We look at ourselves, I look at myself, and I feel I, I do the same thing he does. I, say, I make the same decisions and, that he did. And I'm okay when I do it. But how many of us would look at Pilate and go, there's a God I should emulate. There's a God that I should access like. How many of us would, how many of us would ever ever justify the actions that Pilate did. We look at him and say the actions he did caused Christ to be crucified. And I'm not here justifying Pilate. But I want us to remember that the Bible tells us it is a mirror. Sometimes we see things that are so obvious and black and white and repugnant that we want to scream, how could they have done this thing? And then we slowly, quietly, sometimes continually do the exact same thing that they did. Pilate's actions caused Christ to be crucified. We can see that. It's black and white. We look at it and think that's a horrible thing. What do our actions do? What do our sins do? Do they not do the same thing that Pilate's actions did? A lot of people look at Pilate as a, a Weasley politician who's afraid to make decisions or rock the boat. That's probably a, a valid description for him. But if we don't compare ourselves to Pilate, we might find ourselves in situations where we're doing the same thing he did. Well, we don't look to see what he did, why he did it. We'll find ourselves doing those same things. Each of us is going to be tempted today, or tomorrow, sometime this week. And when that moment arrives, and we're pondering to do right or to do wrong, just stop for a minute. Just half a second and say to yourselves, am I being a four-man pilot? Am I trying to rationalize my sin? make it go away to make myself feel better. Pilate was a horrible person. But if we don't look into the actions of Pilate and compare our lives, our daily lives, to see if we're doing the same thing, we'll find ourselves living like Pilate but thinking we're Christ. And so I think Pilate is a great example to us because the things that he did, the actions he did, led to the crucifixion of Christ. 
just like the sins that we and when we look at how it, think about how horrible it was, we can make sure we're using the Bible as a mirror and making sure that we are not doing the same thing. 